Hello and welcome to Football Digest Extra Time. I'm Ned Keating and I'm joined today by my Mirror Online colleague Alex Richards to run the rule over some of the latest rumours from the summer transfer window. Alex, I uh, hope you will. We've got a, a bit of a busy show to try and run through in the next half an hour or so this morning. Uh, first up, we're going to start with Harry Kane. Uh, overnight reports uh, suggesting that he's very confident uh, of, of completing a move to Manchester City this summer. Apparently, uh, him and his brother, who is his agent, uh, telling guests at the brothers, uh, wedding over the weekend uh, that it was almost imminent this deal that they were just waiting for for almost the uh, the, the I's to be dotted the T's to be crossed um, what, what do you make of this this move you know obviously Man City are on the lookout for a striker this summer Sergio Aguero has gone Gabriel Jesus for whatever reason Pep Guardiola just doesn't seem to, to kind of fancy him as the man through the middle had been linked with Haaland but it looks like it is going to be Harry Kane uh, moving to the Etihad this summer yeah, he seems to be the number one choice, doesn't he? I mean, we had the thing before the Euros where Harry Kane came out and and, and very quickly it was like he's looking to the next step in his career. He wants to go and compete for trophies. Pretty much that he 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 may well think he's he's done all he can possibly do at Spurs at the moment. Um, and then, of course, the Euros happen. He's leading the England attack and it all goes a little bit quiet. Uh, and now this just, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't even a back page story. It was a front page exclusive. Uh, done deal kind of thing. Now, Spurs have been very... It was interesting as well, sorry to interject, but it was interesting that it was their showbiz editor, wasn't it, that, uh, that lined it up rather than... <laughs> yeah, well, which, as, you, as you say, comes comes from the wedding, as he's mentioned, and, and you know, stories will occasionally just appear. That kind of leans you towards the thing that somebody has actually said something, but it, it's not just completely come out of thin air and it's it's certainly not made up. It's It's come from somewhere. Um, but the interesting thing, of course, is Spurs are very quick to deny this. Um, you know, that their stance is still, at least privately, that they want to keep Harry Kane. And and why wouldn't you? You know, he, he's the guy that their entire team is built around. He's top scorer in the Premier League last season, most assists in the Premier League last season. If they can get the other parts of that team working, then he guarantees you goals and will create chances for others. And that's their best their best way of getting back into the top four. Um, but of course, as we've mentioned, Harry Kane is now at an age where he needs to be competing in the Champions League, where he needs to be challenging for trophies. He's got no silverware on his mantelpiece at present, which, which to be quite honest, is criminal for a player of his talent. He is the best English striker of his generation. He's one of the world's best strikers. Um, and... Manchester City need a centre-forward and he does seem like the ideal fit. We've seen Pep Guardiola be pretty ruthless in, in terms of Sergio Aguero. Yep, thanks for everything you've done, but now's the time to go. We've seen Gabriel Jesus, as you say. He's very talented, but Pep, for whatever reason, just doesn't quite fancy him as his centre-forward. A lot of the times last season when he was coming into games, he was, he was operating from the left-hand side. So so it's obviously a role Man City want, want filled and if, if you think a deal can be done, why wouldn't you go and get Kane? Now, it's interesting. Um, the first comment that we've got here uh, for today's show is from Moses Thompson. And I think Moses has almost read uh, our running order because uh, he's talking about the fee, which is what we're going to come on to next. Uh, so Moses seems to, to find the fee uh, of 160 mil just uh, just funny, is in Moses' words, uh, suggesting that Kane is around uh, 85 to 90 million pounds worth of striker. Um Alex, you know, if, you know, as I said, that this was in the running order. You know that this was coming next. So, in terms of yourself, you know, do you agree with Moses's point that maybe it's a bit too much for Kane, or do you think that both sides in all of this are, are actually getting a good deal from it? I think it's a very tricky one when you when you're coming with a fee, aren't you? Because 
if if Spurs were more than happy to sell, then Manchester City wouldn't need to pay as much. You know, it's a question of what's he worth to Tottenham and what's he worth to Manchester City. Um, those those valuations could be very very different. Um, and ultimately, given that he signed a, a long term contract not not that far in the past, Spurs hold all the cards here. He he's it's not like he's only got twelve months and his valuation has 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 really diminished. Um, he is. 27, soon to be 28. He's, in theory, at the peak of his career. Now, he's had a couple of ankle injuries in, rec- in the recent past. He's had other issues that, that certainly, as Moses says there, 160 million is a lot of money. But to Tottenham Hotspur in their huge new stadium, wanting Champions League football, he's their main source to get that. So to them, if, if they're selling for 80 million, what can Spurs actually get with 80 million to replace him? You can't. You just can't do it. So they need to get way above a fee like that. They need to get as much as possible. You know, we, we saw with Spurs previously when they sold Gareth Bale. You replace him with, I think, what was it, seven or eight players? And, please and, don't mind me. <laughs> as a well, player, please don't mind me at seven. <laughs> and that, that's the difficulty, isn't it? You, you can't directly replace a player of this quality. So you have to you have to just strengthen the team as a whole. 80 million, quite frankly, isn't going to get you that much that you that they actually need. They need proper game changes if they lose Harry Kane. And you're not going to get two, three, four of those with 80 million. With 160 million, you certainly will. Now, the question of whether it's a, a good deal for City, Premier League winners, three of the last four seasons, Champions League finalists last year. Do they need to spend 160 million on Kane and potentially 400 grand a week um, to be Premier League winners again? Probably not. But it's for Champions League for City, isn't it? That, that's, that's what they're paying for. That's what their owners are paying for. They want to win the Champions League. And I think if, if they pay 160 million, 400 grand a week over a four or five year contract, whatever it is, and Harry Kane wins two Champions Leagues, they will be more than delighted with that fee themselves. Now, the next point, again, and um, we're going to come on to is, is the fact that his age is, um, you know, as you said, he is getting into his prime. He is approaching the prime of his career. But when you think about someone else who Man City have been linked with in Erling Haaland, um, you know, someone who is a very young player, out of Kane, you're probably only going to get five six, seven years out of, if you sign someone like Haaland, who's, who might be available for cheaper as well when we're, when we're talking about this. And yes, he's not proven in the Premier League. I know that. Um, but you'd get 15 years out of him potentially if he's a huge success. So in that respect, are you a little bit surprised? Because it's almost like short-term planning for Man City. But then as you said there, they're just chasing one holy grail now and that's the Champions League. It doesn't matter how they get it, just that they do. Yeah, of course. All right. I think... I think it is a little bit surprising that they aren't more keen on Haaland. I, th- I think something there perhaps is the relationship with his agent, Mino Raola. Perhaps they don't want to get involved in something like that. Um, Pep Guardiola has, of course, had his own issues with with Raola in the past. He, of course, took Zlatan Ibrahimovic to, to Barcelona in 2009 and, and that just didn't really work out. Ibrahimovic um, had a, had a semi, semi-decent season, in, in truth, at the club. But was quickly discarded when you know Lionel Messi exploded and, and moved from the flank to to playing that false nine position where he is he went on to just dominate. Um, obviously, Rayola and and Zlatan and and Guardiola has been a lot of public um, declarations from one side or the other in in years gone by. And Zlatan's infamous 
if if Mourinho opens the curtains, then you close them on Guardiola kind of thing, suggests that all isn't perhaps well between those camps. So maybe it's it's a thing that Guardiola just doesn't want to to be in bed with Raiola and he doesn't want City in bed with Raiola. Who knows? But it, it is curious because, as you say, if, if you go and you spend big on Haaland now, you're perhaps getting 10, 10 12 years before you need to look for a replacement. Um, however, going back to that, Raiola does like to move his players on, doesn't he? So, so maybe, you know, you sign Haaland and in two years, he's pushing in to go and, and see, can he go and do Real Madrid? Can he go to Barcelona? Perhaps there's that. The thing that we will obviously come back to again is the Champions League and, and Kane being so proven. Um, over six, seven, eight years, Haaland's had 18 months at Borussia Dortmund where he's been absolutely outstanding. But there was some interesting quotes this week from Jurgen Kohler, the former Dortmund defender, who said he's not world-class yet. He he needs to do it more consistently. And perhaps that's a, a part of City's thinking. And, and also, as you mentioned, Harry Kane is Premier League proven. They know he can score 30 goals a season in the Premier League. They know that if they have him up front, they will continue to be the favourites to win another Premier League title season after season after season. Um, so there is that that they will obviously be taking into account. But I think it is, a, it, when you look at it, when you look at Haaland on paper and you look at what he's doing and you look at his age, you look at Chelsea being very keen on him as well. It is a surprise that City aren't more interested and aren't more keen on that route especially if this, this 160 million fee for Harry Kane is, is correct, because we know Borussia Dortmund must sell Erling Haaland next summer for 75 million because everyone's going to be knocking down their door at that price. Now, they insist they won't sell him this, this summer. And with Jadon Sancho leaving and the fact we're in the Champions League, they don't need to financially. Um, but that's not stopping the fact that someone like Chelsea could pay 150 million for him. Now, City could do that as well. But for whatever reason, they're just not that keen and and it's Kane who is their number one target. And yeah, should we be surprised by that? Should we be surprised that they want England's main striker who is 100% proven, who they know will get goals? We shouldn't, but the age thing, as you mentioned, it, it's an interesting little facet and, and you do wonder why. I wonder myself whether or not it's down to the, uh, the the homegrown player rules and maybe he can help him out you know, having someone like yeah, that in your squad. Um, but obviously this one's going to run and run. There's going to be legs on it. And the fact that it's come out on a Friday morning over a weekend, I'm sure there's going to be uh, plenty more to come out in the papers over the next couple of days on this story. Um, Alex, though, you, interestingly, you did mention uh, Mino Raiola there, uh, which leads me nicely on to another of his clients, uh, a one Paul Pogba, currently at Manchester United. Doesn't look like he's going to be signing a new contract there. As you said, Mino enjoyed is moving his players on uh, and, it, and it seems that he's off to Paris Saint-Germain uh, if not this summer then definitely next when his, when his contract runs out but it looks like uh, Paris Saint-Germain are gearing up to make an offer for Pogba uh, in the coming days if not weeks Yeah certainly I think that our man David McDonnell had this um, last night that Manchester United's latest contract offer to Paul Pogba has been rejected and, and seemingly you know he's got one year left in his contract this is a thing when contracts run down and they get into the final 12 months, the, the balance in power really does shift from the club to the player. And and in this case, Paul Pogba and Minerola hold all the cards because they either, they either get paid this year or they get paid next year. One way or another, they're getting paid. Um, Manchester United now have a decision to make where do, do you sell him now and try and... You're not going to recoup the 89 million that you paid, but you can recoup a, a sizable chunk of that because we're talking about an outstanding footballer. 
or do you keep him for another year when you know perhaps he's he's not going to be at his most happy, um, but you know the talent that he has, you know the respect he has for the manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know the respect he has for his teammates. Do you bank on him giving you 100% every week so you can challenge for the Premier League title? That's the conundrum they have to, ha- they have to face up to and, and it, it would seem that actually, no, we'll, we'll take the money now and we'll replace him now rather than having this hangover us for another year. Um, certainly, that leads to further questions because you have to find a buyer. And, and as we know, given the, the financial implications of the coronavirus pandemic and, and the way things are across European football at the moment, we know the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona have financial issues. We know Juventus are spread pretty thin while they're paying Cristiano Ronaldo his massive contract. You don't really have that many landing options for Paul Pogba right now, other than Paris Saint-Germain. Um, it, it is a bit of a strange one with Pogba. He never seems to have... He did it in flashes. We know how great he is. You said he is a very talented footballer and you only have to look at his performances for France. Uh, a Man United perhaps guilty of never signing the pl- the right players to play alongside him. Like when you splash that money, when you spend a world record fee, obviously there's the expectation that you just, you're that good, you should fit in anywhere. But uh, are Man United guilty of over the past five years of having not used him to the best of his abilities because they, they just didn't have the players that are around him. Like you look at France, he's got someone like Kante alongside him. Um, before that, he had uh, Matuidi um, with him in, in in the French team as well. Um, you know, players that kind of break up the play and allow him to be himself. And, and United haven't really had that player over the past five years. Yeah, I think I think the the thing that, you made a good point there, that you pay 89 million for, for someone, you pay a world record for it at the time, you expect them to come in and dominate to be the best player. Now. If we if we take out this this year's Euros for France, where he was the best player for France, no doubt about that. Before they were eliminated, he was outstanding. I don't actually think he's ever been the best player in his teams, or if, if not by talent, but the most dominant player. Um, at, at the previous World Cups, Antoine Griezmann has been outstanding for France. He's been so crucial, key goals, key assists, big moments. You've had the likes of Varane playing at the back, world class defender. As you say, N'Golo Kante in midfield alongside him. Um, match winners like Kylian Mbappe, Usman Dembele with their, their speed and their ability to beat people. So you've got those outstanding players at international level. When he was at Juventus coming through, you had Carlos Tevez just in his pomp at Juve. He was outstanding. Um, he was incredible in their run to the Champions League final in 2015. You had Arturo Vidal, Andrea Pirlo in midfield working with Pogba two absolutely outstanding footballers. You had Claudio Marchisio, very intelligent footballer as well, and you had Chiellini Benucci, that defence, Buffon in goal at the time. So Pogba wasn't really the guy that needed to dominate. He was there to, to give them that extra edge to, to, be, to be the player that does his thing and, and gets you over the top. You know, he, t- he, turns a, he turns a 1-1 into a 2-1 win with his extra quality, or he adds a bit of gloss to the scoreline. He does those, those little bits extra. He doesn't have to do everything I think when he joined United, it was the expectation that this is your team now. You've got to dominate proceedings completely. And I don't think that's a, a role really that he's been able to fulfil. And, and as you mentioned, have, have they built the team around him correctly? You'd have to say no, given that they haven't won a Premier League title. They've only really challenged once and they still fell some way short of Manchester City that season. Um, they've never really been anywhere near in the Champions League. 
they've reached two Europa League finals, winning one, losing one, of course, and, and reached another semi-final. But Paul Pogba, with his talent, the Europa League isn't really where he he and Manchester United want to be. Um, so I think you have to judge it by those kind of parameters. He's an outstanding footballer, but he, he's never really done what people expected of him to do. And perhaps it was wrong to expect that he would come in and completely dominate and just, just lead United in that way, given what we had seen before and given how he had played with these key players in, in other teams. Uh, we've had another comment in here um, from Quasi Puyo. Quasi, uh, I'm loving the optimism here. You're trying to convince Pogba to stay because you believe that Man United will win uh, the league and Champions League double next season. Uh, can't say I'm quite as optimistic as yourself uh, about that. Uh, but Alex, obviously PSG are going to be the destination um, by the looks of it for Pogba if he does leave this summer. Um, but you look at that squad that they've got there, where does he fit into that juicy surprise? They've obviously already signed uh, Genie Wijnaldum this summer uh, from Liverpool but in terms of the other midfield options obviously Idrissa Gay formerly of Everton and Herrera formerly of Man United uh, other players as well who I'm uh, you know through my own stupidity neglecting to mention at this point because I can't remember them um, but Marco, Marco Verratti Marco Verratti how could I forget him Euro 2020 winner um, but yeah, in terms of that jigsaw that Mauricio Pochettino has got to try and put together at PSG, again, to try and win the Champions League, much like Man City, where where does Pogba come into this? What what role will he be playing for, for PSG? He'll have that midfield role, won't he? he? Him, Verratti, will be the creative hub in that midfield, keeping possession, getting the ball forwards. They've got the killers in attack, Neymar and Mbappe, um, who will who will absolutely thrive working with Pogba and, and his ability to get them the ball early, to get them the ball accurately. And 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 it, I think it's a role that he'll really enjoy. You know, he's not got to go and, and, and be scoring 10, 15 goals a season. He's not got to go and dominate in the final third. He's not got to go and dominate in front of his own back four. He can he can focus on just his role, knowing that others around him can can do the other bits as well. He and Verratti, just some of their, their link-up play potentially is just going to be an absolute joke. Just one-twos, little touches, easing away from people. You can almost see already that they're going to have their own little competitions in the middle of games where they take the ball under pressure, roll away from a person and just, then just look at the other one and go, go on, you do you do that now. And, and it'll be great. Wijnaldum um, will bring them balance. He'll bring, he'll bring energy. He does break forward and get into the box. That's something Pogba, I, I think a lot of, you hear a lot of pundits say that's what they would want him to do more and and if you remember a couple of years ago he scored a brilliant header against Manchester City at the Etihad uh, I think it was from a, an Alexis Sanchez cross perhaps um, and you kind of have, have always wondered why doesn't he do that more well it's not really something that I don't think is is, is what he's about he's not about those those long bursting runs into the penalty area getting on the end of things he, he's, a, he's more creative he likes to get on the ball so Wijnaldum brings that kind of balance where he will do that. Um, and then you've got players like Idris Agay and Herrera who will snap into tackles, sit in front of the back four. Leandro Paredes as well, Copa America winner of Argentina, also does that job, also a clever passer. So I think they have a lot of options and it, and it gives Michel Pochettino a lot of flexibility where he can judge things game by game because what, what they need in league earn isn't the same as what they need in the Champions League and what, what they need in the group stages of the Champions League isn't the same as what we've seen them produce in, in the latter stages. You know, you think back to the season just gone, Bayern Munich away from home, they killed them on the counter-attack. They were absolutely excellent. Um, and, and that's not how they play in league earn where they have 70% of the possession. 
So I think you'll you'll see them with a lot of changes in between those two competitions again, and he will allow them to do that. That he is brilliant at playing in a game where they dominate possession, and he's also so capable, as we've seen with United, those quick counter attacks because of his passing range, his accuracy. He just gives Pochettino and that entire side more flexibility and a big upgrading quality, assuming that's where he ends up. Some deals, though, that have been done uh, already. Plenty of Premier League clubs uh, getting their business done early, it seems, this year. Uh, one of them uh, being Liverpool signing Ibrahima Konate, the centre-half uh, from RB Leipzig. Alex, this is a position that Liverpool needed really to strengthen, not now, but back in January almost, yeah. you know, when when they were without Joe Gomez, when they were without Virgil van Dijk, but they've waited until both van Dijk and Gomez are now fit again to, to bring this guy in. But he's definitely someone that Liverpool need, isn't he? A young centre-half and, and and he's not just there to, to be back up to these two, he's there to really push for starting place. No, absolutely. And as, as they say, iron sharpens iron. So Gomez and Van Dijk returning, both know they need to be at their absolute best with him him there. I, I assume that Liverpool, if they could have got this deal done in January, they would have. And I think that says a lot about how highly they rate him because they've waited. They, they took Ozan Kabak on loan. And okay, there was, there was, it's always telling when there's an option to buy rather than, rather than the, the new one that you loan someone with an obligation to buy. If you've you've taken an option, then okay, we quite like you, but we're not hundred percent sure, as we saw with Quebec. Um they also took Ben Davis in Preston, but you know, didn't didn't kick a ball. Still alive? Um, <laughs> I, I believe, up somewhere. No, I I believe he has played in preseason, but he, he's got no no first team future at Anfield, has he? He will he will move on. Um so I, I think Kanate now, as you say, Kanate, Joe Gomez, Van Dijk, they are covered for an injury. Which and also John Matic, we can't forget him because he, he's been excellent at times as well. Um, so they are now covered for those injuries. You just hope they don't have them again because it, it completely blew them up at, at one point last season. They, they managed for a while and, and then suddenly they couldn't manage anymore and they hit a wall. Um, but it will it will keep Joe Gomez particularly on his toes. It's it's a, a challenge. They will both see themselves as the partner for Van Dijk. He, he's going to play every week in all, in all the biggest games unless he absolutely needs a rest. So it will be those two alongside him. Of course, you also have the option of, of playing Joe Gomez at right back should you want to rest Trent Alexander-Arnold or not. But it, it's it's a deal Liverpool needs to get done and, and I think he, he'll have a very good future at Anfield. Um. One deal that is pretty much there. We're just waiting for medicals to be completed. We've had the uh, confirmation from Man United that they've agreed terms with Borussia Dortmund, terms with Jadon Sancho, uh, Jaden Sancho, even himself, uh, to get this deal done and over the line. But Alex, is he a player that Man United really needed? You look at that attacking options that they've got at the minute to spend seventy-three million pounds on a player that's going to possibly stunt maybe Mason Greenwood's development. I'm not entirely sold on, on this being a player that Man United really needed to bring in. I don't, I don't know your thoughts. You might be completely different to me, but I'm, I just think for the money that it is... Totally different. I think, it's an ex- <laughs> I think it's an excellent signing. I think it's exactly what they needed. They they have played... Um, Mason Greenwood's long-term future is, is going to be as a centre-forward. And I think that's gradually the progression they want him to have this season and moving forward. You get another season of Edison Cavani, another year of, of Mason Greenwood learning from him. Um, they needed somebody else to play on that right-hand side. It's been it's been a real 
it's been less of a problem position because Greenwood has been excellent and can play there, but it's been a real problem position when he's not been available. They've tried Dan James out there. It doesn't really work. He prefers to play on the left. They've tried Marcus Rashford out there. He prefers to play on the left. And both of those two are much more ideally suited to playing on that left side. Sancho fills that position and he scores goals and he creates goals and he runs at people. He brings defenders to him to create space for others. We saw with his, his link up with Erling Haaland at, at Dortmund, he's an outstanding footballer. And, and I think it's a brilliant signing for United to finally get over the line. And it just gives them another attacking dimension. I think the player that really has a problem is Anthony Marshall. Because what do you do, what do, you do with him now? Yeah, and he didn't have the best of seasons last year. Probably end up at Tottenham to replace Harry Kane. That's that's normally the way that we do things, isn't it? Um, moving now across uh, to Arsenal, uh, a couple of deals for them already. Nuno Tavares, uh, Albert Sambi, Laconga, but perhaps the best bit of business that they've done so far is tying Emil Smith Road down to a new deal. Uh, have been linked with Aston Villa. How bad have Arsenal fallen that their best young talent is now being linked with a move to Aston Villa? Um, but for them and their club, this is a deal that they needed to get done. He looks like the future uh, of Arsenal, along with Bukayo Saka. They've got some promising other youngsters coming through as well, uh, giving Smith Road another 10 share. This, this is a real good deal for Arsenal to get done. Yeah, certainly. And as you mentioned, they're giving him the number 10 share. It's a real statement of intent that, that this is a big show of faith in him. Um, he and he and Saka are very much the future. We saw Arsenal last season when when those two were were working together in, in the attacking half of the field. Um, there was a period around November, December um, when Smith Rowe first came into the first team and and Saka was moved. He'd been playing on the been playing on the left, kind of in front of Kieran Tierney at wing back or, or on the left of midfield. He moved to the right wing and it just opened up the entire team because the two of them combined and, and then Tierney down the left-hand side with his raid were the three most creative players in that Arsenal team. So instead of having just just Saka and Tierney doing it down the left flank and every attack coming down there, they were suddenly spread across the pitch and much more dangerous. Um, I don't really think the lone move of, of Martin Odegaard really did Smith-Rowe many favours because he was then shifted kind of to the, to the left side of that three behind the centre-forward. It didn't really work. But now Odegaard has, of course, left. And, and this is a huge statement that Smith wrote, right, the number 10 position, we want you there. This, this is this is where we see your best football being played. And it's a big statement for Arsenal that you are tying down one of your youngest players, one of your most talented players, when you are really at a low ebb. Because last season was such a disappointment. They were so poor for long spells. But there is faith, seemingly, from Smith Rowe, from his representatives, that Arsenal can get back to where they were in previous years. And he's going to be a crucial part of that. Okay, Saka is going to be a crucial part of that. Ben White, if they can get that deal over the line, will be a crucial part of that. He and Gabriel at centre-half is, is a partnership that does look well-matched. And, and I think this is something Arsenal need. Now the challenge for Edu and for Mikel Arteta is you've got to go out and prove that and, and with, with more decent signings. Because in two years' time, if we're sitting here and and Arsenal have finished ninth and 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 tenth. Emil Smith Rowe, Bakayoko Saka are going to be looking very much in a similar way that Harry Kane currently is. We need to be going somewhere and challenging for trophies because both of them have the potential to be top top players, and and they need to be up there competing in the Champions League and competing against the very best. Uh, just sticking with Smith Rowe, uh, we've got another comment here uh, from a regular contributor uh, to our shows uh, from Biblop uh, saying that Emil Smith Rowe signing a new deal, definitely the biggest news so far for Arsenal, a uh, brilliant footballer with all the qualities of becoming one of the all-time greats. 
Um, hard to disagree with that. I can definitely see uh, Smith Rowe being in the England squad uh, for the World Cup. And what is it? Just 18 months' time. 18 now. months' um, time. We've got. <laughs> it's going to seem weird watching that in the dark, isn't it? You know, no, no fella's going to be doing Christmas shopping until the week before uh, because the final's only until the 18th of December, isn't it? We'll all be rushing yeah. around the shops then. Um, just finally, before we go, though, Alex, um, Barcelona. How long have we got left to really talk about that? Um, they've had an interesting few weeks. Um, obviously, Lionel Messi is still a free agent. They're yet to officially uh, come to terms with, I would believe, uh, an agreement's close on that. But, I mean, yeah, just for one of the biggest clubs in the world to be in the state that they're in right now, it's it's almost farcical, isn't it? I think that's the exact word, isn't it? Farcical. How, how do you get a million or a billion pounds in debt? Just, Just what are you doing? I mean... They've got this issue now where Lionel Messi, who arguably the best player of all time, is currently a free agent because they have been so badly mismanaged in years gone by. And and it's not difficult to understand the mismanagement when you see the fees that they've paid for players and the salaries they have been dishing out. You know, take Antoine Griezmann for an example, a player they are now attempting to give away because they need him off the books. Um, you pay 106 million for him, you give him a 30 million a year salary in gross terms, not what he takes home, but what the club pay. They're paying 30 million a year. Um, you then have to add on for your accountancy purposes, you've paid 100 million, so that's 20 million per year over a five-year contract. So they're spending 50 million a year on Antoine Griezmann. That's currently on their accounts for the next three years, totaling 150 million, which is why they're trying to push him out the door because they can't, register any of their new players ahead of the new La Liga season. It's just utterly ridiculous. And of course, every other club can see this happening. So if you're if you're Manchester City right now and, and perhaps this Harry Kane deal falls through and you still need a centre forward at the end of the transfer window, you're just turning to Barcelona and going, you still need to get rid of Griezmann. You will get a knockdown price and, and an unbelievable deal. They can they can get rid of a number of fringe players but they, they actively need to get rid of a couple of these big money, overpriced players. Otherwise, they can't sign up the likes of Sergio Aguero, Memphis Dubai, Eric Garcia, Lionel Messi to actually play for them. And, and you know, La Liga kicks off on August the 15th. It's, it's just mind-blowing incompetence that has been happening at that club. And here we are just basically laughing at the mess that they are currently in. Indeed, it, it, I can, it is sad. I, I can only way, shake my head, true. Ned. I can only shake yeah. my head. <laughs> it is sad, though, in a way, isn't it? Like when you do see a, a great kind of uh, falter. Um, but yeah, as we've touched on already, there's going to be uh, plenty more transfers, definitely involving Barcelona trying to ship players out, um, definitely involving Kane, definitely involving Paul Pogba, and, and of course, Mino Raiola uh, spouting off at every opportunity he pro- probably gets. Uh, he'll probably tell the pizza delivery man, um, you know, the one who's yeah. replaced him in that job years and years ago, um, who's going where at he's, some point during this transfer window. He's been, he's been very silent lately, Mino Raiola. Weirdly silent. He's preparing for a big show. Yeah, he started the summer talking a lot about Erling Haaland potentially moving, and then the last three, four weeks, he's been very quiet. Give it, give it something's up. Something's up. Let let the clock click down, uh, tick down closer to the uh, to the deadline window. Um, but Alex, thanks so much uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Of course, you can keep across all the transfer news across the Mirror, across the Express, across the Daily Star, across all of Reach's regional titles as well. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be back at some point in the near future to talk even more transfers. 